0: Hello, welcome back to the Redundant Rufus podcast. I'm real excited to do this episode because it's going to be about, well, Tolkien-related, but more specifically, The Return of the King, the film, and screenplays, and how I made a Return of the King screenplay. But before I get into that, I just want to thank those of you that have followed me this long in my podcast journey. We're coming up on one month. Woohoo! yay! Anyway, one month of being a podcaster, And this being the 10th episode in my podcast series, I just am grateful that I've pushed myself this far. I'm the biggest demotivator, and I didn't expect to do any more than one. Two was a, a wild pipe dream, but I've come to enjoy this. Being able to express myself, talk about things that interest me, and that includes today's episode on Return of the King screenplay produced by Rufus himself. One of the things that I've learned this past month is the importance of editing. Now, I am in infancy stage of editing this content. I know that it's not perfect, the audio, and having audio fade in and out. Some of the podcast episodes have been scripted, you know, relating specific stories, and I do that intentionally just so that I can get it right. I'm still learning. And there are some training, you know, online training and tutorials that I'm going to be engaging in in the coming weeks and months just to help sharpen my editing capabilities for this content and being able to have, well, for example, an intro and outro music. That's an obvious necessity for this podcast. My main intention thus far has been to just get myself comfortable speaking. I mean, at the moment, I'm speaking in front of four monitors. It's just me. Now, obviously, it's recorded and people will hear it after, but for the time being, it's I'm talking to myself. But podcasting is fun. So like I said, the purpose for this episode is to go over why I decided to make a Return of the King screenplay. So let me jump back into history. We all have history, so I'm going to talk about that. In the early 2000s, there was... I noticed this surge of websites providing screenplays. Unofficial screenplays, obviously. But I thought they were pretty useful because I'm one of those people that thinks about a particular line or a scene in a film and I'm not wholly sure what the character said. I'm like, was it this word? Did they say it this way? I'm analytical that way. So I would look up these scripts and I'd say, oh, that's what they were saying. Like, for example, the movie Willow. I always thought the large bald dude's name was Robocut, but it was Burgle Cut. That was a revelation. Yeah, these screenplays were helpful for me to see, oh, okay, and understand what was being said. And I came across Lord of the Rings screenplays for for the trilogy. I do recall looking over The Fellowship of the Ring. I think it was this scene in Lothlorien where I was like, you know, it would have been funny if Legolas said this or if this was the poem that Sam said about, you know, speaking about Gandalf. And I was like, well, this could kind of be fun. But for some reason, I don't wholly remember why, but I chose Return of the King to just make a screenplay. I I assume the intention to, or the reason why I made a screenplay for that film, the third in the trilogy, was the fact that the bulk of the characters were present, so they could have that uh, you know ability to interact with each other. And let me say, I just I really had fun with it. It took me about a year to you know from start to finish in creating it, but I wasn't finished when it was created. So this was 18 years ago, 19 years ago that I that I made it, and I've modified it since then. Every year at some intervals, I just it crosses my mind, so I go back to the script and I just make additions or I fix some of the grammar. It, I try to make it, I try to sharpen it. It was not necessarily being nitpicking, but as I get older and understanding language a bit better and, and the gaining experiences, I'm like, okay, maybe this character should emote this way or maybe I should use this adjective. So that's the way how I just continue updating the script it's mainly if it just crosses my mind because it's 122 pages and the Return of the King is a long movie now this script does not reflect the extended version I'm not insane but it I do incorporate some elements of the extended version like a line here and there or a moment that happens but like I said all of the characters are included just even Boromir he was dead but even he makes some cameos, you know, saying some lines from Fellowship of the Ring, and the characters are wondering why he's even present. They tell him to go away. The first thing that I found the most enjoyable was modifying scene titles. Now, every scene in a screenplay has a title, tells you what's going to be going on. And I really enjoyed <laughs> naming or, I guess, renaming these scenes. For example, the first scene in Return of the King, is a flashback of Smeagol and Eagle in their finding of the One Ring. So that particular scene title is The History of Gollum, or Smeagol's Transformation to Gollum, or How He Killed Someone on His Birthday. And uh, what was the other one? I'm looking at my script right now, looking at some funny, funny ones. The second one, when you know the flashback ends and Gollum wakes up, Sam and Frodo, Uh, and Frodo comments to Sam, the days are growing darker. So I named that title, the scene title, the days are growing darker, more darker, so darker that it's making the scene title too long. So I kind of just had fun with it. I just, I I use that kind of as my reference point when I'm creating the scene or redefining it and, uh, or remaking it. And being like, okay, this one is a, is called Shelob's Lair and Arwen. Wait, Arwen was nowhere near the Shelob's Lair. Frodo and Sam passed through there. But I have it that she just pops in and I'll get to why she pops in a little later. Which leads into the next part of my screenplay modification. Is the character changes from the films and the books. Because if you're going to make something satirical or farcical or a parody, then you have to change some of the characters, how they were created, some of their motivations, for example. Gandalf, for example. Um, but let's start off with the Fellowship. Aragorn. I created Aragorn to be a bit more passive-aggressive because he's he kind of breaks the fifth wall at times and points out... Changes from the book to film, and oftentimes unnecessary changes in how events should have transpired, such as Legolas somehow knowing about what happened with the men of Dunharrow, making the oath with a sealed door, and that a sealed was the last king. And Aragorn goes, uh Excuse me, little one, Aerner was the last king of Gondor, actually. So he kind of does stuff like that. Now, Boromir, as I mentioned before, he makes some cameos. One such cameo is when some of the cast or some of the characters are deliberating in the Hall of the King in, uh, in Minas Tirith. And, <laughs> and uh, what was it? Let me look at the thing. So when Aragorn proposes to be a distraction so Frodo can destroy the ring, Boromir suddenly appears and says, You carry the fate of a solitary one. If this is indeed the will of the council... Then Gondor will see it done. And the cast are just perplexed. They thought he was dead. They thought, he's, was he a zombie? And then he continues to say, It is a strange fate that we should suffer so much fear and doubt over so small a thing, such a little thing, to which Gandalf gets impatient and tells him to leave. Um, it doesn't sound as funny right now, but in the context of the scene as you read through it, it's hilarious. Trust me. Gimli, for example, he's pretty much the same. Gimli, I didn't change too much. He's a little more uh, ignorant, I guess, but they kind of made him that way in the movies. I didn't particularly like that. But, uh, for example, when Aragorn says, draw out Sauron's armies, empty his lands, Gimli replies, draw out? Do you mean we should draw them to death? No, Gimli, that's not what I meant. To which, well, I'll get to Aemer in a moment. But uh, the next person is Gandalf. Gandalf desires to desires Pippin to be his. That is the biggest thing with Gandalf in the film, that he always desires Pippin. For example, the one scene where Pippin is looking at his his suit of armor, he lays it on the bed and tells Gandalf, you know, they don't they actually expect me to do any fighting, to which Gandalf replies, you're in the service of the steward now. Uh, but in in here in that my screenplay, he says, "You're in the service of the steward now. You're going to have to do as you're told." Peregrine Took, stud of the citadel, lord of my life. That that's that's what Gandalf does. Now the next fellowship character is Mary. Mary's kind of the Pippin's voice of reason, like Gimli. I didn't take, change him too much. I didn't feel like I needed to. But uh, he kind of helps Pippin understand, like, keeps his head on straight. Um, but the one part that always made me laugh from the films is when... um, Where was that? Yeah, Theoden calls... Uh, or names Mary an Esquire of Rohan, and Mary gets very excited. Well, when they're all about to ride to Gondor, Mary goes up to Theoden, and he's like, you know, I want to... I want to fight, but the way that he says it in the film is I want to fight. So he says that multiple times which confuses people in the film in the uh, in the uh, in my screenplay. But one of the characters I had the most fun with was Sam. He constantly says Mr. Frodo. And now understandably we're in the third chapter or the third book of this series. So Frodo's had to hear Mr. Frodo, Mr. Frodo, Mr. Frodo, Mr. Frodo a billion times to the point Frodo is on edge and ready to snap. Not about the burden of the ring or Gollum, but the fact that Sam won't stop calling him Mr. Frodo when he tells him to stop calling him that. But Sam also tends to ask dumb questions and is perpetually oblivious to Frodo's rage towards him. As we know, Sam and Frodo are passing through Mordor and they're just, they're dehydrated. They're fatigued. They're injured. Frodo is just barely holding on because of the Ring's burden, and Sam's doing his best to help him in spite of his, you know, lack of strength. And I really liked a side note. I really liked how Peter Jackson captured that friendship in the film. Now, there's no, there's no semblance of that in my screenplay. Again, this is a, this is a parody or satire. Um, when they're heading towards Mount Doom, Sam looks up. And says, or asks inquisitively, what's Orodruin? And Frodo replies, it's the elvish name of Mount Doom, Sam. And to which Sam replies, is that where we are? And the narrator says, with a cry, Frodo grits his teeth and the dentist begins to drill. So Frodo's at his wit's end with the ring and with with the, with the, the quest and with Sam. And then just a moment later, Sam asks Frodo, so the Samothnar... Is barad To which Frodo replies, Not now, Sam. Kudos to Frodo for showing a lot of restraint and patience, just in general. But you really get that feeling throughout this screenplay. Frodo is at his wit's end with his portly companion, but he's still pushing through. He's struggle-busting, but he's just focusing, casting the One Ring into Mount Doom, and if need be, he may have to cast himself in. As well, just to escape not just the pain and the burden the ring gives him, but also his companion who won't stop calling him Mr. Frodo. The last member of the Fellowship, Legolas. I had the most fun with Legolas. And it didn't require much effort because Legolas is a part of the Fellowship and he's not exactly like the focal point of the Fellowship. Now, he does have enough lines in the books but the scenes that were selected for the lord of the rings trilogy he wasn't exactly a big contributor for most of them like like um you know delivering lines that is so some liberties were provided to him to have a little more you know presence verbal presence in the uh in the film and i and i understand that but he also had instances where he was saying speaking the lines of other characters i mean that was across the board but it bothered me the most the most with legolas because he's been in mirkwood for thousands of years and to our knowledge he hasn't left mirkwood so he suddenly knows the history of everywhere not to say he you know he's absent-minded or you know doesn't you know hasn't gained knowledge over the centuries but especially with the men of Dunharrow that that's something Aragorn should be talking about but in the film Aragorn kind of acts like oh I'm learning too about these guys but uh I have it just in that that sense of Legolas just takes lines from other people in places he shouldn't be so everyone despises him and then throughout the screenplay everyone is at their wits end with him they don't want him around they almost always cut him off mid-sentence like they just say shut up and he sometimes he gets very weepy about it like he complains and he actually dies several times in the screenplay but he somehow just comes back to life the next person Sauron now Sauron wasn't a big character he was that overarching menacing, nefarious figure in the trilogy, lines wise, he he doesn't really have much of any in the film, so I made him to be not so tough. He has his very imposing eye, his country or kingdom, all the all this creatures and servants, make it seem like, oh wow, Sauron's a big baddie. No, Sauron's actually a big softy. He's just he's not so tough. So for example, let me scroll to it. When Sam, and it was a, a beautiful moment in the trilogy, when Sam is talking to Frodo, he's in his arms, you know, asking if he remembers the Shire, still showing that positivity. So they, I kind of keep that tone, but it's I add some, some comedy. When Sam tells Frodo, you know, I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you, it pans to Sauron, who is just observing this beautiful moment in tears. To which he says, this is so beautiful. He starts looking at his tears. What is this salty discharge? To which Sam replies, I think you care. That's wonderful. See, Mr. Frodo, we can give the ring to him now. So Sam's also, again, he's kind of an idiot. He thinks that because Sauron's kind of a softy, that Frodo can just give Sauron the ring and he'll destroy it. But Frodo's like, Sam, are you dense? That's not how this works. The next one... Their next character I modified was Eowyn. And she doesn't have a huge presence in the film. But I do like that when she was portrayed, she was portrayed as very strong and capable as she was in the book. And especially the moment where she shoves her sword into the Witch King's head. You know, that was one of my favorite moments. But I have it in the screenplay that she's not taken too seriously. And she's also a bit too honest. Um, she kind of takes liberties using her uh, her position as a shield maiden of Rohan. So at the beginning, when all the Rohirrim are celebrating in the Golden Hall of Meduseld, and she steps up to Aragorn and presents a cup to him, he walks away, and then Theoden appears with a grin. He tells Eowyn, I am happy for you. He is a horrible man. To which she looks up to her uncle, smiles, and says, You are both horrible men. And Theoden just smiles and nods in agreement. Now, one of the best and actually the shortest scene I'll read right now because it deals with Theoden and Eowyn's interaction before they march off to uh, Gondor when he tells Eowyn that she's going to rule in his stead. So it says, It is dawn and Eowyn stands alone watching the sunrise. She is approached by her uncle who is the king of Rohan, didn't you know? Theoden proudly says, I have left instructions for you to set up the entertainment center. Oh, and uh, the people are to follow your rule in my stead as well. He turns around and walks to stand beside his quote-unquote serious-looking niece. And majestically, Theoden announces, You shall take up my seat in the Golden Hall. Long may you defend Edoras if the battle goes ill. Like there's much of anything there to defend. And Eowyn, in protest, proclaims, What other duty would you have me do, my lord? Theoden pauses. Duty? Speak kinder words. Uh, I mean, get that smile off your face. You will grieve for those whose time has come. And you shall die before these days are renewed. And there will be plenty to despair. Now there is some narration in there. I omitted. I'm not going to read all of it to you. I mean, come on. Um, But uh, that's an example of their exchange. And Theoden, of course, he does die. But I have him thereon after just appearing out of nowhere in various modes of transportation yelling, Death! Um, The person that I also had fun uh, messing up or messing around with was Aomer. I just make him a complete idiot. Uh, When I mentioned earlier the scene where the some of the characters are deliberating in Minas Tirith, you know, Aragorn presents the option to dry out Sauron's armies, to which Gimli retorts, "You want us to draw like a picture?" To which Armer replies, "Oh, I have a pencil." And for the rest of the movie, or the rest of the screenplay, he's just looking for his pencil and asking if anyone has seen his pencil. Okay, this leads to the last character, that of Arwen Undomiel. She literally steals rolls. Okay, that the you can evidence of that is her, you know, at the um, the Bruinen, you know, causing the water to, you know, drown the Nazgul, and uh, that was of course Glorfindel. And then when she tells her father to reforge the sword, you know, Nars, the shards of Narsil, um, the poem, she says, was spoken by Bilbo, I believe, during the Council of Elrond. And so I was like, OK, I understand her purpose, expanding her presence. OK, I, I get that. But I took it. A, I took a bit further. With that intention of including her more in the story. So she just appears and steals roles. Like, spoiler alert, she eventually... Legolas dies, I think, for the third or fourth time. And before he's at his death, she tells him she's going to take over his role. She becomes Shelob. Uh, I think one of the hobbits. I think Mary. So she just swoops in and just takes people's roles without... Without uh, asking. Um, and she's unapologetic about it. So. I've told you. Why I made the screenplay. Um, my process of. Modifying it. How the char- the main characters have changed. Oh, oh my gosh. I forgot about Faramir. Faramir is kind of a mix between. Gimli. And Aomer. So some of the quippiness. Of Gimli. But also the. Ignorance of Aomer. Uh And his father, Denethor, he's just as obnoxious but even more senile in my screenplay. So when he's burning Faramir, or about to, and himself, he covers himself in vegetable oil and popcorn kernels. And then once he's set on fire, he runs out and leaps off you know, the top of the city And as he's burning a popcorn kernel's pop, it's raining popcorn, and children merrily run about with baskets collecting popcorn. Um, So, that's how he actually dies. Now, this script, like I said, it's 122 pages, and my dream is to create a YouTube page. Obviously, at some point, if I get enough following, I... I'll make a youtube page where i can post these podcasts on there but for this script i don't know if i'd be crossing any copyright boundaries but i really want to produce like each scene is a video or maybe a cluster of small scenes would be a video and then the larger scenes would be one video and it would have voice acting by myself um It would also have some sound effects, some generic music. Of course, including animation would be fantastic. But uh, for the time being, I would want to just have some, you know, me reading it. Maybe just have the text displayed on there. But I would love to share it. I've had it for almost 20 years. When I have shared it with other people, they have said, you need to share this publicly. Share it. Now, I may not be giving it enough justice right now but it is a pretty good screenplay it's something again that I have worked on year after year just adding you know modifying things and I, I, I had some original intentions or thematic intentions or materials in there that I've taken out like the script as it exists today was not how it looked 10 years ago but I do want to share it and maybe this podcast is the way to do it now it's not going to be anytime soon there's other things i'm going to i would like to talk about in the, in these podcasts but uh, it it will happen and i'm confident that it will happen one day with that being said i thank you for listening and i hope you have a lovely evening day afternoon wherever you are in the world and i'll talk to you later